Life Audio. The Ryan Reese Show from Southern California. This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? All right, all right. We got an amazing show tonight because, you know, there's a lot of interviews that get taken place here on the show, but then there's times when we like to post a bunch of uh, questions online where we ask people, Send in your questions, and we got um, a lot of amazing questions. So I brought in the best. I got Sean McKean in studio and Scott Salamat, and we're going to just go through this like the Wild West. There's there's several. We're going to answer them the best we can uh, with a biblical view, but it's good to answer questions because sometimes in church, you know, you hear a message, but there's these questions that you have that you don't have time to ask the pastor or, um, or even the courage to ask. So here we are, and we're just going to go into it right now. So... The first question, we're going to start with this one. It says, this is someone that wrote, it says, this past year and a half, I started back dating. So she's, she's dating again. I went a little over five years without my first date. I just focused on the Lord. I met this guy. Great. However, he doesn't believe in the Bible. He feels it's just stories. Uh, he has self-control, patience, respect, kindness, but I don't know exactly how to shake this because... The thought of having children with him terrifies me. Well, that's sketchy. I thought the Lord pointed him out to me. So now she needs biblical counsel. Well, just out of the gates, um, the Lord did not. The, you were not. We're not supposed to be unequally yoked. Number one, the Lord will never. Um, I don't. I don't. It does, it's not biblical to point someone out. It's not a, a Christian yeah. um, because of the fact that. What you wrote here is saying that it terrifies me to have kids with him. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 the first thing is if already inside of you, mm-hmm. you're getting stop signs from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So this is clearly not of God. And if you're spending time with the Lord, and I know you guys are going to go for it on this subject because you guys do a lot of counseling. But if you're spending time with the Lord, you're praying and you're reading, the Bible clearly tells you not to be an equally yoke because our our morals don't line up our mm-hmm. our point of view doesn't um, line up our our worldview doesn't line up because if he just looks at the bible as just a bunch of stories that are not spiritual or or have any impact on your life then there's no there's no conviction and your agreement on future things in life will not even align with kids mm-hmm the kids' schools you want to send them to, or even movies that you watch, as simple as that, or even the way you talk in front of your kids, right? Uh, what, what do you guys have to say about this? Well, you know, I think obviously Scott has been around uh, youth and those that were in youth going into those early 20 years and like experiencing in a relationship. So I know he has a lot to say, but what I would say is like, I think this is a common thing that a lot of people struggle <clears throat> with because I'm sure like the guy that she's talking about, because she points out like the characteristics, characteristics he has are good, yeah. Yeah. right? And there's like a lot of people like, in the church that necessarily they're not like actually great people sometimes either. Right. They have a lot of quirks. So you're like, well, compared to like, you know, this guy that I go to school with or I work with, like this guy actually displays more character. He has more integrity. He's more driven than even some of these guys that I've seen in church. So do you know what I'm saying? It just happened. That's, that's reality. Or you connect on a different level. You have a lot of things in common. Um, And so what you try to do is you try to, um, you know, look at all those good qualities of being like they're kind of Christ-like or they're kind of, 
but as you're seeing like a relationship with God to him and his life right now isn't important. He doesn't see the value in it. And to me, because I've, I've had talks of this about my older son, too. It's like being able to discern, like, is your relationship with, with God important? That's, mm. what, that's what she needs to answer mm. that question. Yeah. How important is your relationship with God to you? And if you say, like, it's my number one priority, well, then if, if that's the case, then as you go in any direction, you want to be led by the Spirit of God. Is this person that I'm about to enter in a relationship, is, is this person drawing me to the Lord? away from the Lord. And if it's like away from God, like he doesn't have a priority for going to church throughout the week or to read the Bible or to pray, it's going to eventually drift you off even more and it will start happening gradually, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's not going to be that conviction in his life to be like, hey, like we're kind of going through a difficulty or we're battling in this area, we should pray. That's not going to happen because his heart isn't that way. And what you talked about, Ryan, if you fast forward in the future, like she's kind of thinking about like, well, as you get married, that, that people make the wrong perception like, okay, now you get married, everything fixes and falls into place. No, no. It's, not, it's not the case. You want to make sure as you – because what happens sometimes, people go in like relationships like that, then they get married, and then, as you said, they start having children. Now they, they're starting to be like wanting to be closer to the Lord or church is a priority to them, but their spouse is saying, hey – that wasn't the deal I signed up for. Mm-hmm. That's not something that you ever put on me before. And now you're finding yourself going in two separate directions. And so everything that the Bible says when it has regarding relationships, it's not to keep us away from amazing people. It's not to keep us away um, from good things. It's to keep you away from harm in the long run. And God knows better. And that's why when it says being equally yoked, you should be one, united in everything, physically, emotionally, spiritually, unity. Uh, without that, the enemy will come in and divide. I was thinking about how you were saying, well, people think if you get married, it just makes it easier. No, when you're married, you're one, you're connected financially and, and, and in marriage and, you know, you're sharing everything. But then you're still going in two different directions. Mm-hmm. So it makes it even harder versus not being married and you decide you go in two different directions. You're like, all right, we're just going to end this relationship. So now you're actually stuck with this person. And you're going two different directions. That's gnarly. No, no. It's way harder. And it's important um, because it's what I said in the beginning. How important is your relationship with God? Like there was a girl that I think adored before. um, When I came to the Lord, she was a Christian, but she went to school and she got influenced by liberal thinking and whatever. And she kind of walked away from her faith. But on paper, like this girl was like on point in so many areas. And I even like would think about like this is a girl that I could spend the rest of my life with um, possibly. Um, But though she had all these great characteristics and qualities, her relationship with God wasn't important any longer. And there were just like sirens coming out like as you're talking about things of faith that she disagreed with. Mm -hmm. And I could have just like bowed down and been in that relationship and I would have been in a total different place than I am now. Scott, you talk about this stuff all the time when it comes to young and and old. Yeah, just going off the what he read, I mean, it gives you a lot of indicators of, of where this young lady is. She said, I, you know, I held off on dating for five years and I was focused on the Lord. And then she felt like God pointed her to this guy, mm-hmm. right? And the guy ends up being, he's not a believer, but a great guy, great characteristics, what have you. But like Ryan said, she's already seeing red flags. That's, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Like, mm-hmm. 
that means that means like you're focused on God and you got your focus off because you know you've been single for five years you're kind of lonely want to you know maybe possibly meet somebody but it's got to be done in God's time yeah. it absolutely has to be done in God's time because how many times have we felt like we were appointed to so many different people you know it, whether it be in the Lord or before the Lord it's like wow like you said great attributes beautiful funny great love God but it might not be for you I mean you know there were a lot of people that I that I had met and, and dated in my young Christian life, and I'm like, dude, no. I'm glad that God in didn't church. do it. In church. Yeah. In church. In church. And, and it just wasn't God. It was yeah. me yeah. trying to put a round peg in a square hole or vice versa, but it wasn't the, Lord, the one the Lord wanted. And that's something that, you know, uh, this young lady, if you're listening, you know, I hope you understand that these things that Ryan said are, are red flags. Those are God. A, he's not a believer. That's against Scripture. That should have been your first indicator right off the bat. Second thing. You guys are probably already sexually involved because it sounds like you're talking about having children. I'm going to assume that you probably already are. Number two. Number three is if you don't see the eye to eye now as you're dating, don't expect him to come full circle when all of a sudden you are married now. So you've already got three things against you. Strike three, you're out. I would just casually say to that guy, hey, man, made a mistake. Pull out of that and wait on the Lord. Continue going back to focusing on God and waiting for him to bring you your best. Now, to yes. To encourage you, this is actually normal. Mm. There's a lot of people that when you give your life to Christ, you wait, mm. and you're waiting, and you get tired of waiting. You're lonely. You want to, dude. I, I was single. It sucked. I hated it for five years. But I also know that I met some other people in church. Some girls mm-hmm. met them, hung out. They looked, I guess, they looked good on paper. I guess, yeah. but it wasn't. <laughs> Their the profile was, was great. The profile looked phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it wasn't the right one. Mm -hmm. So I had to continue to wait and wait and wait for the right one. So be encouraged that what you're going through, it's normal. And the whole thing, it stinks. And it's going to stink even more though. If you get caught up with the wrong guy yeah, or a girl, if you know, if you're a guy, so Mm -hmm. either way. All right. Good stuff. Okay. Number two strategies to finding the root problem of porn addiction, addiction in general. Hmm. So, the strategies to finding the root problem in one's life to addiction. So yeah. what are the strategies to find out? Cause like <clears throat> addictions, I've, I've talked to many people and you guys have too, but addictions are like an outward, uh, uh it's an outward motion of what's happening within you. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Like you're watching porn or using drugs. You could be watching porn or using drugs because, Something that's going on and maybe, okay, for instance, maybe you're lonely or broken. You got divorced or something's going on. So you're like, I'm drinking every day. You're drinking every day. You're addicted to drinking because you're jacked up in your heart because of something that happened. Mm-hmm. Pornography. I mean, porn's just addicting, <laughs> period. I mean, yeah. it's, it's sex. It's, not, it's like a drug, right? So how, do, how does one find out the strategies well, to the root problem? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the way it's worded is that. What's well, the strategies of fighting it? or the Strategies strategy? to finding the okay. root. Okay, the what root, is the root, the root is sin, root? right? Yeah, yeah we right. already know. It's a, like you said, it's a lack of self-control mm. and a lack of desire for self-control because you're like, forget it. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna meet this need this way. You right. know, like I'm upset about this. I'm gonna drink. I'm lonely. I'm going to look at this. I'm, you right. know, you fill in the blank. Right. But it is comes down to a lack of holiness. I mean, I, we can all say that. Yeah. You know. Are we being holy when we're yelling at our, at, our, at our wife or our kids? Or, you know, if you look at porn or if you, you take a drink or you smoke, no, it's not holiness. We're not separating ourselves from the Lord. 
It's allowing something or someone else to creep in instead of taking the place of the lordship of Christ. Mm-hmm. The strategy is the same. Satan wants to rob, kill, destroy. Done. It's, that strategy is done. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Mm-hmm. How do you formulate your own plan or your own strategy to fight against it? The word, prayer, solid fellowship, right? And those mm-hmm. are the three, the three legs that the, our faith, the table of our faith stands on. The strategy is staying in those things and not deviating those from things. In a nutshell, that's what I would say. Just get in your word and pray. So somebody says, oh, I'm in my word every day. I still struggle. Yes, you do. But you believe what you're reading. Are you reading because you have to or are you reading because God is speaking to you? And if God is not speaking to you, then you need to slow down, listen to what he's saying, pray a little bit more so that those things can actually take root in your heart and kind of absorb it a little bit more. You know, Because when you read the word of God, it should bring conviction and it should bring encouragement. And if it's not doing either one of those, then you're reading it. They're just words on a page. So we have I'll, a cho- I'll leave it that. We have a yeah. choice every night yeah. and every day to – I could go home every day and watch porn. Or I have a choice not to, right? So it's not like a, like porn is like you're, you're addicted to uh, – like, you know, like you're having withdrawals, your body's shaking. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's addicting in a sense because I believe it's addicting because I think like there's a demonic realm that's attached to it mm-hmm. that is drawing because that's what the Bible talks about is that mm-hmm. is that those doorways, those strongholds, those footholds, right? It's a demonic pull and that goes back to sin. Sin. Sin allows Satan to come into your life, to influence your life. I'm not, I'm not talking about – being possessed, you can be, but there's an influence, a draw to sin. So like Scott said, you get your ducks in order, you start reading, you start praying, and going towards God, that will break the power of sin, and that mm-hmm. will deflect the work of Satan in your life. Yeah, flee from the devil, and he'll flee yeah. from you, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, obviously, the, the, the simple answer is that. like, It is the reality of sin. We have a sinful nature. Some people are more apt to fall into lust and, and pornography addiction, some are more apt to fall into alcohol and drugs, or maybe that's not what it is. Maybe gambling? It's, maybe it's violence. Maybe it's gambling, different things that kind of control you. But all of it is linked to the reality of sin. We have a sinful nature. The Bible says that our heart is deceitfully wicked. It can go down pathways. Um, we Just watch it. Like You've seen probably documentaries. You've seen uh, biographies on people that get into a state of mind that do some of the most craziest things that you could ever imagine. But it's a reality of what the Bible says, that the heart is wicked. Um, The other thing is, you know, I've said this to my kids, too, because, you know, a lot of times when you're raising kids, they're like, I'm bored. I'm bored. Your kids say that, too? All kids say that, right? (laughs) And you know what I say to them? Good. Like, you got to learn how to be bored sometimes. Like, some of the worst decisions, I was telling this to my oldest kid, some of the worst decisions you will make sometimes as you grow up is that because you're bored, you don't know what to do with it. Yep. Hey, I'm bored. I'm going to go get high. It makes things a little bit better. You know, drink. You make a lot of stupid decisions mm-hmm. by just getting lots of You have to learn how to navigate time. You know, like imagine if you take that time to pray a little bit or read a little bit. Like there's going to be value that, that's there. Um, and a lot of times you can go down pathways of just kind of – because – the Bible says regarding like the addiction aspect and everything, the flesh will never be satisfied. Mm-hmm. That's why when you start looking at pornography, it could start off in like little magazines from back in the day when you were kids. It could then be it like go- bikini. It could be like a bikini. It could be like, man, uh, uh, yeah, like magazines that come through, whatever. And then 
it it goes to videos and then it goes down in our world today it's on just about everything um but it's never satisfying same thing with drugs you know you start smoking weed a little bit then you're like hey i'm gonna try this i'm gonna put a little cocaine in i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do coke i'm gonna do meth before you know it you're doing heroin you do and it continue you're chasing after a high i remember i was telling this the other day to somebody i remember the first time i ever did acid and i was like dude I had a good experience the first time where I was just like, I want to feel like this for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But then a couple times into it, you almost lose your mind. You're just thinking in, in a bad trip, and then you go through other things, and something that you think is going to bring you peace or joy ends up ripping you off. And that's the same with sex addic- uh, like porn addiction. It's um, with um, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, gambling addiction like you're chasing this high and what you're really chasing you're chasing peace and rest mm-hmm. like comfort oh, okay i got it this is the level um but when you're trying to find that fulfillment in the flesh it's always you're always going to be wanting and that's why you're only going to be satisfied when it when it comes from above when it comes from the lord mm-hmm. satan loves to he, satan's a fisherman we've talked about this before and you got to look at all these different things these shiny objects that you 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 know, gambling, porn, all these things, they all have a hook in them. It's like a fishing bait. And we're the dumb fish and we take a bite and we, you know, we think it's going to be good for us. But then it hooks us. And, and that's everything will hook you. And that's what Satan wants to do is he wants to hook you through these addictions so that he has control of your life. Once you get on that hook like a fish or anything you hook, they're stuck to that hook. And Satan can just reel you in and kill you. And that's what he wants to do. And it, that's why we have to we have to go at, we have to pursue a relationship with God and allow Him to 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 break those strongholds in our life. He's been doing it since the beginning, since Adam and Eve, <clears throat> with the shiny objects. Okay, number three. What did King David, uh, being a man of war, have to do with not being able to build God's temple? Because back there, when it talks about his, he was his hands were man of blood mm. from all from all the war. Yeah, I know that. That's a great. That's a cool question. Uh, it's a cool question, and it's going to be one of those things too that we're not going to fully grasp right. the answer to it. But I will say a couple things. One, the Bible is very clear that Daniel was a man of the God's own heart. God had a special work for his life. And, David. Uh, what did I say, Daniel? Daniel. Daniel. Well, David, he was too, though. Yeah, he Daniel too. was too. Yeah. But David um, came to a place in his life where he saw all that he had. He had his palace, he had everything. He's like, but, you know, God doesn't have a place to dwell in. So I'm going to do this, and I'm going to build a temple for him. And then his friend Nathan the prophet says, dude, go, go do what's all in your heart, David. That sounds amazing. And then God speaks to Nathan and says, he spoke out of turn. Tell David that. He cannot build the temple, you know, because uh, he, he is a man of, of war. Um, but also that portion, it comes with an amazing promise that there will not fail to be one that comes from your lineage mm-hmm. that will uh, fail to be on the throne. And mm-hmm. it speaks of Solomon to come, but also of Jesus, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but why wouldn't he? Because as it says, David is a man of God's own heart. There are many men that have gone to war and gone to battle. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Um, I would say that it definitely is probably linked to um, the holiness that is needed to to build the temple. But one thing that's noted, and I believe it's in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, it says the reason why is because David has been a man of war. He's gone through a lot in his life. But his son, as he takes the throne, he's not going to have battles. He's going to be a king in a time of rest. 
And there, there's something to that aspect where da- whether, whether it was the wear and tear on David and not having the mindset to uh, have the, the clarity to build this temple in the way that the Lord would desire him to yeah. and not having any other influences, Solomon was in a place of wisdom, of knowledge, and of complete rest. No distractions mm-hmm. to be able to maybe give his best to the building of this temple. Yeah. Um, but that's, that, that's what it notes more. It, it, it notes that Solomon would be a king in a time of rest. So there, there's something to that aspect. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's a good that's one. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Now, what are we getting into? Number four, what does the Bible say about how precious a woman women are? How precious are women, Scott? Yes, sign me up right now. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm just You're gonna losing start. your job and your wife. No, <laughs> All of us at this table think that women are wonderful. We're all married to one. Yes. Um, I think we you all are. You guys all right. have daughters. I don't have daughters. Yeah, I, have, I have two daughters. He has three daughters. Uh, you have three sons that will give you some daughters one day. But women are important in the Bible. Um, the Bible doesn't say that women are precious, that words don't, you know, women are precious. They are precious, which means they are highly beloved. And they have a place in ministry and they have a place in the lives, uh, especially the life of the church. Mm-hmm. The Bible talks about in Ephesus, you know, that uh, that man is supposed to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He also says that the woman is supposed to respect her husband. Um, the Bible talks about in, um, in, in the um, in the Pauline epistles, talk, Paul talks about the, the place of women in ministry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just got into a conversation with somebody last Friday night doing a Bible study, and the guy asked me because the church he goes to, they have women there that teach, you know, they're in, they're in leadership and pastoral role, roles. And he asked me, why is that wrong? And I said, well, Paul said that, you know, a, man sh- a woman should not have authority over a man. Well, they, they recognize their authority, but they can teach. I said, no, 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 they're not allowed to teach a man. And the Bible gives a specific reason for it is because the woman was tempted first. Um, and she was the one that basically took the bait, so to speak, gave it to her husband. The husband was just dumb, and the wife was just disobedient or, or rebellious, if you will. But the point being is they are the, the Bible does say that they are the weaker of the two flesh. That's not talking about physical strength. That's not talking about they're, they're, they're not as intelligent. It means emotionally aspect, the women are built differently than you and I. Mm. And because they are, God has, has given them certain roles and he's given us certain roles, and ours is to lead, and theirs is to come alongside and to assist and to follow. Mm. And so um, are they precious? Absolutely. Uh, this church alone has one of the biggest women's ministries, and without that church, the rest of the mm. church would fold. So um, the, the role of the wives in the home, what do they do for our children? Yeah. Gosh, if, our, if we didn't have wives, our children would be worse than they are now. Mine are savages. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine if my wife wasn't there. 100%. Not, only, not only that, but they rein us in. You know, I won't want to admit that, but they do. They rein they us do. in sometimes and, and put us on order. They are our, our other half, so to speak. And the sound, the sound word of, of wisdom sometimes comes through your wife. So I'll leave it at that. There's, I think there's a book my mom was talking about. It's called like the Women of the Bible or something. All the Women of the Bible? All the Women of the Bible. Is that? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, it may be, but I know that they did yeah, an amazing they, study. Uh, there, is, there is a book. Here, yeah. There is a book like that. It has all the studies um, of all the women in the Bible right. and the importance of them. I mean, when you read the Bible, God used the women yeah, a lot, in a powerful, lot. powerful ways all through the Bible. So, so women are precious. But there are, but there's no word of, of uh, precious. Mm, no, um, per yeah. se. Okay, cool. Moving on. So number five, what's the difference between the Antichrist and the false prophet? Mm. Speaking of the false prophet, um, 
Dude, the Pope's going crazy. Mm-hmm. A lot. He's like yeah. endorsing yeah. gay marriages now. But did we not see that coming a long well, time yeah, ago? Well, yeah, we did. Yeah. But the fact that it's actually happening now, yeah. that's pretty shocking. Yeah. Because, you know, they're like, I mean, we've seen the Catholics when they were, you know, yeah. when they were out there protesting recently over abortions in New York City. Mm-hmm. And remember that? I mean, they were, there's a lot of Catholics that were standing up and. I wonder how. What's yeah. crazy is if you have, have you read any? Really yeah, quick, yeah. About the Pope. Have you guys read anything else? Yeah, on I mean, what, no, what does but, it say? But I think it's funny that no, he wants to endorse basically uh, same sex, same sex, same sex relationships and wedding and marriages, but they won't perform them, which is interesting. Hmm. The oh, Catholic it, Church won't perform them, but it's just, it's just a starting point. Yes, well, yeah, yeah. But it's also, give, they don't want to have the stigma. Yeah, that of they're against. That, that's what it comes down. But to. it's going to bring. It's trying to be. Pragmatic, uh, uh, ecumenical, so yes, to speak. Yeah. like be accepted. Mm-hmm. Be tolerant. There you go. Tolerant. But yeah. the thing is, we've already seen, the, and I'm not just talking about the Catholic Church in general, but we know from the beginning, because the Word of God says, in the last days, there's going to be a very fine line between the true believers right. and those that proclaim it yeah. and don't practice it. And that is one of the things, when, you, when it comes to basic tenets of morality, biblical morality, that's where the Scripture stands alone. They can say, relative to our culture now, blah, 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 blah. But when it comes down to the Word of God, the Word of God does not change. Culture right. changes. But the Word does not the change. The perspective of God's Word changes, yeah. but God, the power of God's Word and its meaning never changes. Right. So, yeah, they'll yeah. have to argue with God. On I that. mean, you see culture changing all through the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you all know, time, I mean, they were like sure. sacrifice. Okay, let's think about it. They were sacrificing babies. Yeah. You know, well, we um, are now. Yeah. 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 But like even by in a different way, like, yeah. like you're seeing them, the babies going up to the fire and they're like throwing them into Molech. Yeah. Like think about how radical, but the word of God never changed. Exactly. Right. Now yeah. they're now they're more like clean cut. And they do the abortions mm-hmm. where you don't see yeah. what's going on. But definitely, you know, all that stuff from, from the past, the word of God is still relevant. I mean, Absolutely. even the way the, the, the even more so, I think, than the ever Greeks, before. the way they used to live and in, in, in mass sex settings and mm-hmm. and. Drinking yeah. and debauchery and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, well, I would say this, Ryan, just on that that level. You're talking about the Antichrist yeah. and the false prophet. Mm-hmm. Look at the thing. Well, we see in our world. Our world had. Look at the unrest that's in our world. Mm-hmm. Look what's going on in in Israel, the Middle East. Right? There's a power struggle. Yes, there's things in government, but it's also connected to religious aspects, religions. When you look in the in the future and you look at problems that are facing the nation, our nation and the world, people would look at, man, what can we do to fix the world? If they're looking at it from a worldly standpoint, one, the money problem. We got to get a currency that can be all, all on the same level. Two, governments and wars and stuff like this. What can we do to come to a place of agreement so we can all be on the same page? And then three, religion, who's something is so dogmatic in so many areas. What can we do to get on the same level so we can see things from the same level? So the Antichrist, obviously, is going to reign in things from the, the monetary system. Right. You know, you're not going to be able to, to buy or sell without out the mark. And, and then also for the governments coming together to be one, one ruling uh, empire. One and then money, the, one government. Yeah. And when Religion. it comes to religious aspects, you have a false prophet that's able to meet that gap as well, mm. where there can be something that can connect the dots because your religion and your faith means so much to you. Yep. There has to be something that kind of nails it where it's not just so based upon uh, the nation and these worldly things, whether yeah. it's money and government, but also from a religious standpoint. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be working together yeah. to bring a unity for the deception. That makes perfect sense because you meet so many different people 
all, you know, different walks of life and I'm spiritual or I'm, I'm religious or whatever. And this false prophet is going to be able to be like, come as you are, mm-hmm. whether you're a Hindu or you're Mormon or you yeah, know, whatever gonna, it is. It's going to be an you, thing. One world order, one monetary system, one place for all worship. And one, uh, what was the other thing? One government. Mm-hmm. It's going to sound good to the people. It's going to sound amazing. It yeah. sounds amazing now yeah. Yeah. To, to people. Yep, for sure. You're like, wait, we could all, wait, what was that song they did in the 80s? Um, <laughs> we are the world. We, we are, are the, the world. world. Yeah. Yes. It's going to be the we are the world Religious order. tour, yeah. So, all right. And that shows how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> that was like 80 something. It was. 84, was. 83. All right. <laughs> Next old guy. Uh, I know someone that's older than me, though. So, uh, <laughs> hey, let's get, hey, hey, let's keep it going. My teeth are coming out. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to do a break in a minute. But really quick on Instagram, I saw this pastor that he was, he was teaching. And he went to say something. And his dentures flew out of his mouth. <laughs> and then he, ca- he caught him. And then, and then like put his head down, popped him back in. And like pop, pop, pop back up. Did and you, kept going? Did I send that no. one to you? Oh, no. man. So good. So good. Anyway, we're going to be uh, – that takes some serious technique. Uh, we're going to be going to a break right now. I got Sean McKeon and Scott Salman in studio, and we'll be back in a couple minutes after the break to continue down this list of these epic questions. And don't forget to go to the whosoevers.com. You know we are a movement of whosoevers and leading the way to reflect Christ in culture. We are touring the globe, bringing the Great Commission to the public schools. Contact us. Book us. We would love to come out to your local school and get them plugged into your local church as well so they can get discipled. The world needs it. I love you. Peace. More of The Ryan Reese Show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Show. All right, we are back and I have Sean McKeon and Scott Salman in studio. And we are taking all these amazing questions. And please hit us up with more questions. We love to add these shows to the uh, to the lineup because they are amazing questions that you guys send in. So we're 
What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. going to get after it. Uh, number six for the night, how to study the scriptures correctly and accurately. What would one do if they're plugged into church, they've been going to church for a while, but they really want to get the full counsel? What's the best way? Do you start in Genesis? Do you start in the New Testament? What book do you start in? And what would be a good systematic way to get the full counsel? You want to go first? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you just said it. The, the, systematic. Like, I don't believe in, like, jumping around. When I first got saved, I mean... What I do you s- call that? Where you open it up and you yeah, go... Yeah, Bible roulette, so to speak. Roulette. Yeah. <laughs> you, you start. Like, I, I, if you're going to start in the Gospels, I tell everybody, start in the book of John. Uh, if, you're, if you read just the Gospel of John... You're going to learn all about the person of, of the person of Jesus. You're going to believe. Uh, you're going to you're going to learn about the love of God. You're going to learn about the deity of Christ and all that kind of stuff. And then just finish reading through it. I think it's a good thing to go through the New Testament first because it yeah, gives you a, a really good background. And then start going into the Old Testament. Get into Genesis and go through it. And someone's like, "Do you read the? You know, do you read through the genealogies?" Yes, I read through them. But uh, to be honest with you, most normal people wouldn't understand unless you're doing a trace of all the genealogies. It's you're going to get lost in the minutia, so it's better just to like read through it and don't try to race through it. You know, people are like I'm going to go through the Bible in six months. Great. Are you going to retain anything? Like, take the time. If they have the one year through the Bible program, it's great. But if it takes you a little bit longer, okay, just don't stop. Just keep moving forward. Study it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, precept by precept. Write things down. Take notes. Ask questions. Listen and go to your local church that feeds you and get more information. And it wouldn't help to go to Bible college or some commentaries later on down the line after that. I want to add one thing that you're saying, everything that he said. But you can actually get these Bibles. They're called um, study Bibles. Bibles, I have a New Living Translation one. And it literally has the scripture. And then right at the bottom of the Bible, it has like a commentary breaking down what that scripture, yeah. the date, time, what's happening in that in that culture, that event. Because then you might read something like, I don't understand it. You scroll on down and it breaks it down. Right. And it really, it gives you the whole, instead of having to live this in a whole Bible study, you're getting it right there on the questions that you have. And it's amazing. I mean, I use it still today. Um, Ryan's came with crayons, though. Mine has crayons in the back, so <laughs> it's really fantastic. Sean, you got something on that? 
Um, yeah, no, I think just reading, reading the Bible, you know, building an appetite. And that's what you kind of do when you're kind of going through the New Testament. You got It's like working out, like kind of getting used to things, you know, like training your mind and your heart to plow through scriptures. Sometimes it can be intimidating. Um, but when you go through prayer and you go through like the New Testament, you go to the Old Testament, you gain like a, a stronger appetite and you're going to see the importance of it all connecting. Um but what Ryan said about the study Bible, yeah, like some, some Bibles have that, that good overview. If there was one book that I would say to grab, and they have multiple, um, Haley's Bible Handbook. And all that is is a Bible survey. Some study Bibles are, are kind of like Bible surveys. Yeah. And what I mean by a Bible survey, if you've heard the term before, um, a bird's eye view. A bird's eye view is just on anything. When you, like when you're in a helicopter and you're able to go up, you're able to see further. Like if I just got on top of this building right now, I could see a little bit, maybe the streets around. But once I get in the helicopter, mm-hmm. I'll see a little bit more. I could see the cities. Once you're up in a plane, man, you can see the ocean. You see right. everything. You see. You take a step back. And that's what a Bible survey does. It kind of helps condense the 66 books of the Bible to be its in like a bite-sized form. Okay. Yeah. This is the time frame it was in. Here's the author. Here's the purpose. This is why it was written. And when you're able to know what each book is connected with, it makes it a lot easier to, to listen to and to grasp. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then the good old uh, Word for Today app, you can go yep. there and download sure. that. It has all the Bible studies. And if you're really hardcore, just start at uh, the beginning and just go all the way through the Bible and you'll, you'll know the whole Bible in many hours of time. All right, next. <laughs> so when does following rules become problematic for your heart? In Scripture, we see people like the Pharisees who learn to love rules more than they love God. Mm. How can we make sure we aren't too legalistic while maintaining the desire to live righteously? That's a good question. That's a good one. That's an amazing question. Because that's a constant fight. Yeah. We could, we could, anyone could get legalistic. You can learn. You can start legal, leaning legalistic because you're trying to do what's right, but then you could be so hardcore that you're like you're kind of losing it, you know? Yeah. Um, losing it as in like it's 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 you're 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 caught in a kind of a trap, and it's not the love. It's just you're just following rules so hard. Yeah. And then that's not a relationship yeah. with God anymore. You know, yeah, you know, I, I love the fact that they brought that up because legalism, and that's one of the first things that almost turned me off from becoming a Christian. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like you, I had long hair when I first got saved, and I had piercings and everything. And then when I got saved, a lot of people would just kind of like look down on that and make comments and do stuff like that. And it turned me off. I'm like, man, because that's not what I got when I, that's not what I got when I read the Bible. And um, it was along a lot of things too, like you know, like we're around a lot of people with tattoos and piercings and some, you know, it's it's all, it's all that's all external stuff, honestly. Is what is it on the inside? You know, um, Jesus was the perfect um, person when it came to dealing with legalistic people. He slammed legalistic religious people more than anybody else, even more than sinners. He saw them as greater sinners than the sinners themselves. Because they pretended to be more righteous than they actually were inside, but yet they were putting burdens and bondages on people externally. He said at one time, he's like, he even used the parable of, you know, um, basically um, the the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he has the, the priest goes by and then a leader and, and a Pharisee and who ends up taking this guy that's beat up and, and, and messed up on the street 
was a Samaritan. He takes him into his house, gives him his horse, pays for his medical, pays for his home, and says, anything else, man, put it on my tab, you know? And he's speaking to the religious leaders when he's saying that. Who, who, who's going to be blessed in heaven, you know? Are you going to discount what this guy does just because he's a Samaritan and not because he's a Jew? Mm -hmm. And it comes down to what is the motive of why we do things? legalism is when we start putting rules. I like what the, the original question said. When do we start obeying the, the laws of, obeying the, 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 you know, these legalistic laws versus the laws of God? And we live in a culture right now where, we live in a culture right now where it's getting harder to even obey the rules of man over the word of God. But it has to come down to this. What is your conviction? For instance, if the Bible says like, do I care if, uh, you know, a brother of mine has a beer? No. Do I care if a brother of mine is, is drinking, but he's in leadership? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do I care if a friend of mine who's not a Christian is sleeping together with his boyfriend or his girlfriend or their girlfriend? Yeah, I care about it, but I don't have any direction over their life. I can yeah. only live my life, share with them the love of God, and God through his spirit will deal with them. I'm not going to beat them over the head saying, what you're doing is wrong, wrong, wrong. They know that already. Yeah. Our thing is rule by the rule of love. The, the, law, of, the law of love is written in his word. And the rule of love is, is leading people by the example of love. We don't have to beat them. Most people already know, spiritually speaking, and they know in their own conviction what is right and what is wrong. Mm -hmm. And there's a view that, 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 that small chance of that they don't know, and that's where we come in and go, hey, well, the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And then you give it to them and let them do with what they want. And from then, it's out of our hands. We've done what we've been called to do, and then we pray for them that the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? That's how I kind of view it. But Yeah. Um, legalism uh, can get really dangerous, right? It can, and it leads you into a place of bondage. Sometimes it can start with right intentions, but it can go into a place, <clears throat> and this is where um, it leads. It leads to pride. Mm -hmm. That that was yeah. the thing that happened yeah. in the Pharisees, but it happens in people's lives as well. Yeah. Now you start being more critical of other people, and what the Bible says about your righteousness, your righteousness is as filthy rags. Yeah. Like, you're not righteous by your works, by the way that you live your life. When you are led by the Spirit of God, God's going to bring conviction upon your life, and He's going to remove things out of your life. And by it's not by your works that you are justified by God. It's by your faith and trust in Christ. I'm thankful that I came to a church that, that taught the Word of God and encouraged you in development of knowing the Word and being led by the Spirit of God. Because when I came to the Lord, nobody gave me a list. Okay, you're a Christian now. No more drinking, no more sex, no more this, no more cussing. Like nobody gave me any of those lists. But as weeks and months went on, like as I'm reading, as I'm praying, as God's working in my heart, the things that I once found comfort in and just was just my life, I found them to feel uncomfortable. And like now that God starts removing stuff from my life, I stopped listening to some garbage. I start, stopped watching some things. Um, I stopped doing some things that I used to do, and it becomes just a, a natural thing that God does supernaturally through our lives. And that's where, and that's what happens when it's lasting. If I put rules and regulations on another person, those that person's gonna might, might follow those rules as long as I'm there, like right. it, with your children and stuff. Mm -hmm. But as soon as that person is removed, then they're gonna do whatever they want. But when they are touched by the Holy Spirit. And God starts working in the heart. It's lasting. You know, one of the things that Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, why do your disciples not wash their hands the way that we have been taught? Like, there's a tradition of the way that you yeah. wash hands. Yeah. And Jesus uses it as a, a, a time to say some very heavy things. And he said that 
it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, right? It's yeah. what comes out. And everything that comes out of the mouth is actually connected to the heart. Mm-hmm. There's a heart problem there. You can have clean hands. You can do all the ri- religious rituals yep. on the outside. But if your heart's wrong, mm-hmm. if you have a critical spirit, you have bitterness, you have unforgiveness in your heart, you have hate towards other people, believers, Christians, friends, family. Like there's a heart issue right there. And that's what we have to continually be uh, aware of like we have to allow god to do a work in our lives where we reckon that old man to be dead and when we do that there'll be victory what i mean by that is what ryan said in the beginning reckoning the old man to be dead i have a choice every day to just listen to the flesh and do whatever i want to do be a punk be be rude like curse somebody out like treat your wife bad treat your children wrong or i can do what god's spirit is telling me to do Yep. And um, that will determine the outlook and the, the development of your relationship with God. It's like in the cartoons. You have the devil on one and then you have the little angel on the other. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you have two voices talking to you, the Holy Spirit and you have Satan. You have, to, you, have to, you have to decide what you're going to do. Hmm. Um, legalism. I want to I chime in really quick on yeah. legalism because the epitome, this is for Christians that are listening, the epitome of uh, legalism is we've all seen it. You and I've experienced you know, hearing uh, people where they get so legalistic that they go around and they judge what everyone's doing as far as ministry. Oh, I don't like, look at what that guy's doing over there or that guy over there or what are they, what are they saying to these kids over here? It's like they've never been to an event or, or they just judge. They basically judge all, I mean, we've seen them even like, uh, like a, Let's just use like a big example, like um, Greg Laurie's Crusade mm-hmm. Harvest. Yeah, you guys, you got guys out in front of there uh, saying he's a false prophet. He's never claimed to be a prophet, but a false prophet, mm-hmm. and and you're going to go to hell. Greg Laurie's going to hell, and this and that. They they're they're critiquing his ministry, and we all know that it's an event where people come and they hear the gospel and they give their life to Christ. But these people, for whatever reason, are so critical. That they think that that's actually a bad thing for people to hear the gospel on a massive platform. You know, you guys saw because maybe they don't agree yeah. with like I don't even know these people, but maybe they don't agree with a band that's playing or who knows. Right. I mean, it, it could be so minor and weird that you're like, what? And then and then and then what are these guys really doing? Yeah. They're out in front of Christian events, parading and discouraging, trying to discourage Christians. Like now, yeah. that's what you're. That you're so critical that that's your call in life, that's insane. You saw the um, that whole thing on on, on social media with uh, Kat Von D that just came to the Lord and stuff, and yep. she's been getting beat up by people in the church more than anyone else. Yep, it and it's so sad because like here's this person she's turned on for Jesus. I don't know the depth of her you know her theology, but from what I'm hearing, she's she's genuine, genuine in her faith. Conversion. She really she wants she really wants to know the Lord. She's getting in the word. She's she's talking about the spirit. And then you have these people that are ripping on her because of her tattoos. And, and I'm like, dude, you, these people are missing the point. Like nobody with a tattoo is going to get in heaven. Like, are you mental? Like yeah. the people that Jesus brought into heaven were the people from highways, the byways, the streets and the ones that rejected him. That's all of oh, us. There's a lot of mentally ill people out there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. In the church, too. Yeah. Um, no, it's insane. It's insane. You can't, I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. Yeah. You know, it's it's I hope she st- sticks. She had a genuine conversion. But yeah. I hope that uh, I hope she doesn't let these uh, 
people get to her. I don't, I don't think so because she's from the tattoo industry and, and mm-hmm. she was, you know, a celebrity and, and, you know, she had her own show. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is not the, probably the first time she got hate, right? Yeah. You know, when you're a celebrity, you yeah. get hate. You, always, you got all these, these, these roaches going around talking trash on you. So, but yeah, and I'm sure people warned her too. I'm sure her pastor was like, oh, yeah. okay, look. Because she goes to like this little like small country church or whatever. Yeah, in, which I think is awesome. Yeah. yeah, which is awesome. So I'm probably he's like, he's probably like, hey, it's going to go down. You're going to give your life to Christ. When you go public, you're going to just get, you know, there's crazy people out there. So I'm yeah. sure she was warned. Yeah. But yeah, it stinks, you know. But uh, all right, let's get, uh, we got to get her in here. That'd be, uh, that'd be that'd awesome be to get that set up one day. All right, here we go. So here's here's a pretty wild question, but we're gonna oh, I'm gonna open this question up a little bit more. It says, "When Jews die, do they go to heaven or hell?" And the question why this is asked is because we know that Jesus is a Jew. We know that the Word of God, you know, came from the Jewish line and all that good stuff. So they worship God of the Old Testament, but they don't believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says. I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus made a new path yep. without getting too into it. In the Old Testament, they would have to do sacrifices for your sin. Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice yeah. who took all of our sins upon himself and died on the cross and raised from the dead. And now believing in him, we receive the Holy Spirit, which is the down payment that makes us children of God. Yeah. So the question is, what, when Jews die, do they go to hell? And this is clearly talking about yeah. Jews that believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus. Right. So I'm going to open this up. Not only Jews, but yeah. anyone whosoever that does not believe that uh, uh, Jesus is the Son of God, uh, hell is their pathway. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Let me let me let me go go first, Scott, and you yeah, fill in any sure. gaps. I just I'm in the middle of teaching the book of Romans right yeah. now, and I think Romans has the greatest answers to this question. Yeah. Right, the first three chapters of the book of Romans all have to do that all men are guilty before God. In chapter one, he speaks about the ungodly man, the worldly man, but they are guilty before God because they have been given the heavens to declare the glory of God. When you look at creation around you, it speaks of Creator, and you're subject you're subjected to that knowledge. A chapter two talks about the good moral men that like, OK, like we talked about earlier in the show of like somebody that has these good characteristics yeah. and attributes like, man, some of these people seem better than some of the Christians that I know. Yeah. yeah. But going back to what it, the Bible says, yeah, but nobody can be righteous or perfect. And that's God's standard that man cannot fulfill. Then chapter three is focused on the Jewish people because it would seem unfair because all the nation, all the Old Testament is focused towards the nation of Israel. The promises were given to the nation of Israel. Through your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Yeah. It's a focus on the children of Israel and the wilderness, the promises, the Ten Commandments, the blessings, the predictions of the, the Messiah, all coming through the lineage of the Jewish people from David to Abraham to all the king. I mean, it's, it's amazing, right? So it's a natural question to ask like, well, What's going to God going to do with them? They're like in a different class, aren't they? Mm. And in chapter three of Romans, it says, what's the advantage of the Jewish people? And he actually says they do have an advantage. And the advantage is this. They were given the word of God. Mm-hmm. They were given the, the oracles of God. And they preserved them. God knew what he was doing while calling them apart and was able to preserve his word. But even that in themselves, like 
that doesn't make them righteous before God, and they fall short of the glory of God. And it's just, and what Paul doesn't sugarcoat it, the Jewish people themselves are guilty before God. They are sinners, just as the Gentiles are sinners. And there is only one pathway to forgiveness, and that is Jesus. Uh, you talked about it, Ryan, when it talks about in the Old Testament, uh, they had the sacrificial lambs and stuff like that to atone for the sins of the people. Jesus would be the Lamb of God. Today, in the culture, how do they outweigh um, their sins? By doing good deeds. Good deeds over their bad deeds. That's and a made-up rule. It's a that, made-up rule. That's, that's not even biblical. Yeah, it's not even biblical. Like, So it all goes down it to works. what do you do with your sin. Um, and as we know the Bible... The Bible says, and we've gone to Israel multiple times, mm -hmm. and we have um, tour, tour guides or some that are Jewish uh, historians and knowledge, and there are some Jews that are actually Christians as well. They, they've come to the Lord. There's about 50, 50, 75% um, aspect of that. So you can kind of get two different view perspectives. Um, but this is what it is. The Jewish people and the Christians, we believe in the Old Testament, like Ryan said, together, we believe that the Messiah, as we're, you know, as you celebrate Christmas, you celebrate Easter, like we believe that Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the Messiah um, mm -hmm. to the T. It all spoke of it. But the Jewish people as a whole, they reject it. They believe that the Messiah is, is a future, somebody that's going to come in the future and actually help. On the, this is what's so crazy on the realm of government. And bring them to a place yeah. of being able to build a temple again, which we know yeah. to be the Antichrist. So the Jewish people and the Gentiles, I know is a long answer. It all just comes down to Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no way to the Father but through him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you actually started on what I was going to say. Uh, they believe Isaiah chapter 9 that talks about the government shall be upon his shoulders, but they don't believe Isaiah 53 as him being the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So um, you said it in the very beginning. Jew, Gentile, Muslim, whoever, anybody who dies without Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, their path is hell. Mm -hmm. That is not my words. That is not your words. That is Jesus' words. That is the word of God himself. He sent down his son to be the propitiation, the one that take our place for our sins. He became the perfect sacrifice. And the Bible says without the, rem without the spilling of blood, there could be no remission of sins. Mm -hmm. He spilled his blood being blameless so that we could have salvation. So without Jesus, there is no salvation. It's everyone. Yep. Everyone. Everyone. All right. So let's end it with this. And I want to circle back with that one lady or gentleman that talked about how to study the scriptures correctly and accurately. Um, the This question talks about what's the difference between versions of the Bible, such as uh, ESV or New King James. Let's just let's just change this question to um, let's identify a little bit of the difference between the two and which one the best one is to to read. Right. Is the message the best? No. The message, yeah. <laughs> or the hey, there was a uh, the Babylon Bee. Yeah. It said it said the Bible has been banned in China, but they said they can read the message as much as they want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Have you heard that? The Pigeon Bible? It talks like Hawaiian. Yeah, the Hawaiian. That's pretty amazing. All right. Talk, talk now, about the not difference. to get a whole like breakdown of yeah. um, bibliology all the way through, but just quickly, we know that the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. Since then, there have been different translations into modern languages for us to be able to 
understand what the scriptures say and just to look at the things that maybe you see out there today such as the new living translation the niv version the new king james version the king james version the nsa amplified you know people have different thoughts of it um for us at carrie chapel golden springs and many great teachers from old all would link to first the king james version Mm -hmm. um which has kind of a harder language to read um, in the early 80s, it was adapted into the New King James Version mm-hmm. that is, has a very strong modern thing. Your dad still teaches from the New King James Version. We teach from the New King James Version as being the closest in its translation from yeah. that. Later on in the 90s and the, the early 2000s, you have like the new, you had the NIV, I think, in the 90s. Yeah. And then you had New Living Translation more recently. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like the New Living Translation. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a little bit more modern language. It paraphrases in some things. It's a cool translation. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, and I, I would encourage you to read. Your dad reads it. I read it sometimes. But the New King James Version, we look at it as the best and more, most reliable in teaching. I want to say this. Depending where you're at in getting your, your feet wet with reading, they're all on the Bible app on, on the uh, your smartphone. Mm-hmm. Look into them. Read them. Okay, so you heard about the New King James and the King James. Okay, so that's that's amazing. But read it. Some people... I showed them the two, like New Living Translation or New King. They go, oh, I love reading the way it sounds. I love the way the, the New Living, uh, sorry, New, New King, King James yeah. sounds. Versus someone like me, I'm like, I love the way New Living Translation. Find out which one you like and then dig in. Yeah. And then after you read through it, you might be like, you know what? Like my dad, he'll switch up his, he'll, he'll, he'll like read through different translations just to switch up his reading. Yeah. But he always teaches that the New King James. So um, see which one you like to read because the most important thing is you're going to read yep. it. And then when you get your you wet your appetite for it, then you might change up the translations. But always know that the New King James is a great, pure, purest translation, I guess, to, yeah. the, to the New King James yep. or to the King James. All right, that is the show. I'm going to save all these other questions for another show because we got we got a lot more. Got a lot more. Thank you, Scott, for yep. being on. Oh, Scott Salmon's a pastor at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs. Sean McKeon is a pastor. Here at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs as well. I'm the co-host for this uh, this show. We've been friends. We've all been friends for a million years um, since uh, high school with Sean and since junior high with you probably. Yeah, huh? yep. yeah junior high with you. Long, long time. But um, go ahead and go to thewhosoevers.com. I have a book out called Kill the Noise. It's a faith builder discipleship book. Check it out. It will inspire you. It will help your faith grow where uh, you want to go out and live for Christ. So... A lot of amazing stories in there, a lot of biblical truths. And we'll catch you, I guess, next week, next Saturday night on this channel. Peace. This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, Click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for The Ryan Reese Show. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.